ladies and gentlemen, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yo, what's up? What's going on? What's good, everybody? That's right. We are checking in here. This is Sunday, February 26th, 2023. And this is the Boxing Source Radio Show. I am your host, James Bell, the leader of the Boxing Source on social media. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. And you know that we also uh, do have the website theboxingsource.net. There you could get the latest rankings uh, from each of the sanctioning bodies. And also we do have the pound for pound rankings. Uh, they're available on the website and also the previous four or five podcasts are available on the boxing source. Net. Now, I mean, we are here just coming off of what happened in Saudi Arabia. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we are getting it in, and we will talk boxing. Uh, big thanks for those joining in live, including Mr. Joseph Heron from War of Week Radio Network uh, here at the start of the show. Uh, we got a few things here that we're going to be talking about. Uh, in this particular episode, and um, you know, we are just coming off of uh, what happened in Saudi Arabia. Yep, uh, the actually the post-fight press conference had recently concluded uh, there, as you did have, yep, Tommy Fury uh, getting a split decision victory over Jake Paul. So that is the first professional loss there for Jake Paul. Um, and I think for, you know, some people, they're kind of like having the uh, quick reaction uh, to that particular fight. So we're going to get into that a little bit. Also, shout out live uh, to Brother Tip Bayless uh, here joining us on the live discussion. Uh, thanks to you for joining here on this live podcast. So. Um, you'll want to get into it. I know that you know I had a preview of sorts uh, for this particular fight uh, a few days back, uh, as you had, of course, uh, both of these fighters coming in, you know, undefeated. Uh, you had, you know, Tommy there at eight and zero. You had, you know, uh, Jake Paul there at six and zero. Both have four wins. We have knockout and stoppage. Um, and, you know, a number of the things were about, you know, um, that, you know, they were talking about, oh, uh, is this something where, you know, oh, we're talking about, uh, 
you know, Jake Paul fighting a quote unquote real boxer. Um, but you know, we're going to get into that uh it, as far as like after the analysis of the fight, because you know, we had uh something where, you know, oh, okay, now that Jake Paul is fighting Tommy Fury, that um hey, now we're gonna see what he's going to be able to do against Tommy Fury, but you know, the thing about it is if you kind of like listen to the, the uh, preview uh, that I had on the YouTube channel, I kind of like broke things down in reference to that and how uh, this kind of like was something that, you know, matched two fighters up, I would say pretty well. You know, if you looked at, you know, the uh, resume of Mr. Tommy Fury, uh, you would see that, you know, Tommy Fury had built his record up against guys that, you know, didn't necessarily have uh, stellar records, to say the least. Um, so you you did have that, and, um, you know, that kind of, like, made things a little bit even of sorts. But you know what? Before I get into this a little bit more, I wanted to bring in an esteemed guest to the Boxing Source radio show. Uh, yes, he is the host of the War of Week. Radio Network, Mr. Joseph Heron. What's going on, Joseph? Hey there, Brother James. Happy Sunday to you, brother. And uh, hope everyone enjoyed the event that decided to watch it. Um, yeah. Oh, you know what? It's, I, I could sense, I could sense a ton of illegal streaming this afternoon on Sunday. Could you? <laughs> uh, I, I would say that, that that is a factor of you know that um, there are people within the industry that have said that that particular thing has harmed the industry fairly significantly. So uh, it's it's by that- far the biggest issue concerning the the biggest dilemma concerning the business of boxing and guys. It's affecting everything. The matchups that can be put together, the purses that these guys get compensated with, um, it affects everything. The the you know people argue that the best aren't fighting the best. Well, until these fighters actually start being more reasonable with their realistic market demand and adjust it accordingly because of the streaming, right? Because of the illegal streaming, then you're going to continue to see this. All right. But it starts with the fans. Unless they, unless they financially support these events, yeah, you're, you're going to see less and less, right? <laughs> And it's it's shocking. And now you're you're seeing guys like Plant versus Benavides thrust on the pay-per-view platform out of necessity. Right? It, like like get, get, be honest, James. And, and we're just we're, we're not gonna spend any time on this, but be honest, plant versus Benavides, that's not a pay-per-view fight. It's not a pay-per-view fight. Um and 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 I mean we know that given their, their history, um they are not popular enough. Yeah, they're they're not big ticket sellers anywhere. Yeah, they're not yeah, they're not the ticket sellers in order to you know garner a pay per view event. But given how much they like you said in, re- in reference to the purses, given how much they would want for a fight of that magnitude, it forces the networks or whatever network that wants to carry that fight to put it on pay. And and make no mistake, guys, make no mistake. And this is a huge misnomer among diehard fans even, right? Um, Once the network pays the the licensing fee for this event, 
-hmm. It becomes the network's event. They're the ones who determine whether or not a fight gets thrust on the pay-per-view platform, depending on the size of the purse, um, not the promoter. Yep. Right. Make no mistake about that, guys. That's not a huge misnomer. So you can't hang this one on Al Heyman. Yep. Can't hang it on Al Heyman or, you know, um, the, the promoters out there. You know, it pretty much is determined by the fighters. All, all the promoters or advisors do is tell the networks, hey, this is the fight that we want to put together. This is how much money they would want for this particular fight and the network say yay or nay if they approve it or if they want to carry it. So, yeah, that's it. That's you know, it. You know, the brief thing on that. Now, back on to this thing here, like I said, you got, you know, Jake Paul, you know, social media, uh, I guess you call it superstar, whatever the age range is for, you know, that type of demographic. I'm a little bit over that age of that demographic so i can't really be all too uh, keen as far as like how many uh, <laughs> people follow him every day um and, you know tommy fury up to a certain extent was kind of followed in the social media things as he has been part of a reality show over in the united kingdom but yep you know like i said uh these uh guys have uh you know been in battles as far as like the professional ranks and um like i was saying um you have these uh fights that do happen whether it's you know in the uk or mexico or sometimes in the us but certainly in the uk where you can find your you know the glass joes or the gabby bays of the uh you know the uh professional boxing ranks for those that know about mike tyson's punch out or the punch out series you know, uh, that you will potentially find guys that are, you know, zero and 90 or something like that. Uh, and so that is what, you know, Tommy Fury had a couple of fights with, you know, uh, before gaining a couple of victories, uh, you know, after his fourth or fifth win. Uh, so you had that on one side and then the other side with, you know, Jake Paul uh, getting uh, victories, uh, you know, against the likes of uh, Tyrone Woodley and Nate Robinson and mm. Ashburn, you know, the basketball players, the MMA fighters and all that type of Oh, jeez. <laughs> I mean, you know, well, for a lot of people, they felt like it, it was just all entertainment that they should have just counted it as an exhibition. But, you know, uh, Jake Paul kind of, you know, emphasized that, hey, this, this is something where, you know, he said that he wanted to get into this and get into this for real. But, you know, I'll kind of get into you know, what he meant by that a little bit later. But, you know, going into this bout, you know, some people kind of like felt like, hey, I mean, this is something that I think a lot of pressure was going to be on Tommy Fury, not just because of his name, you know, uh, but, uh, you know, him going, like having that type of moniker of being a professional boxer going up against Jake Paul, who, you know, didn't necessarily go up against quote-unquote boxers, but, you know, still counted as a professional victory, nonetheless, against those guys. Uh, yeah, so. you know what? And, and you know, you can criticize him all you want, but one, boy, he's he's garnered the uh, reputation of being a legitimate attraction in boxing. And to be honest, that's all networks and promoters are looking at at this time, mm -hmm. you know. And I will say this. He seems to be, at least while he's preparing for his fights, 
he seems to be adhering to the Spartan lifestyle. Uh, hiring the coaches to get him in great shape, hiring a nutritious uh, nutritionist to make sure he doesn't put crap in his in his body. Um, has two very very smart boxing guys like uh, BJ Flores and Jaylion Love preparing him for battle, and you can see the improvement. He's gotten noticeably better, but was it going to be good enough to defeat a guy like Tommy Fury, who is let's be honest, he's a part time fighter, right? And you said it yourself. He comes from a, a, a lineage of a boxing family, right? But, and his brother, his big brother is indeed the man in the heavyweight division, right? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, you could see it. It, it. And look, Tommy Tommy was much improved as well in this fight. Yeah. Um, but I will say this, though. I, I, I actually enjoyed the event. I enjoyed the pageantry. Um, I like the poise of both fighters just being virtual novices really in this business, not having a deep amateur background. Tommy, I think only had 12 amateur fights. Um, Jake had none <laughs> and you know, they both had been learning on the job, but you know what, who cares? It was a competitive fight and the fans really enjoyed it. And this more than likely is going to prove to be a much bigger commercial hit on pay-per-view then Plant versus Benavides. So what that's worth? Well, that's worth a lot in this um, version of the business that we're seeing today. Yep. I mean, this is, uh, you know, professional boxing, and it's, it's, for, it's also prize fighting, and these fighters are fighting for a prize. And the thing is, it's not necessarily about your boxing ability. It's about how many people know you, you know? Yeah. And that was the thing about this particular fight is that, you know, if I hear from people that don't necessarily talk about boxing on a daily or weekly or even monthly basis, talking about Jake Paul and Tommy Fury, then, hey, that's the thing that kind of gets uh, these promoters, you know, aroused as far as like bringing in the most money. So I think from that, you know, aspect, they got the attention that they, you know, wanted to get. They're able to bring in, you know, some superstars in there to, you know, watch the fight in Saudi Arabia. So that was, you know, good for them on that. But hey, hey, brother, what did you think of Deontay Wilder stopping by with his posse, with his uh, lovely wife? Well, yeah, he did stop by. <laughs> and, um, you know, you had uh, a number of people within uh, boxing media kind of bring that up over the weekend. Uh, you know, they were saying, oh, could this happen? This could potentially happen. Um, maybe he's having another fight that could come up out of nowhere, which is possible. Um, but uh, that was, you know, one topic that had been happening over the weekend. Uh, then, yeah, so we'll, we'll see how that well, and there's a lot to talk about because Shelly Finkel was uh, shooting his mouth off yeah. about a potential fight, stepping in with Alexander Usyk, seeing if the Saudis are actually interested. And honestly, um, that's the only chance Deontay Wilder has of landing a big fight is if the Saudis are willing to pay his inflated purse. Yeah, they are. But just to you know, be quick on that, I I had raised up maybe the potential possibility of Wilder fighting Usyk, but I said that would happen in the U.S. I didn't think that it could happen in Saudi Arabia. 
So look, no promoter or network in the U.S. is going to be willing to pay Deontay Wilder's inflated purse. The only right. chance he has of making Bitcoin is if he fights Joshua or Fury again in the U.K. or fights Usyk in the Middle East. Or otherwise, he's not going to get the kind of big purse he's looking for. Or I also said potentially Fury Wilder for in Saudi Arabia as well. But ah, well, yeah, that's a whole nother thing there. Uh, but yeah, back to this, you know, matchup between uh, you know Paul and Fury. Like from a from a matchmaking perspective, that was kind of a good. Like I mean, I think that you know for the even though it's still Sunday. You got the Monday morning quarterback type of reactions and that type of thing. I think from a matchmaking perspective, that one was a pretty good thing to do. Like you said, under the circumstances, uh, them being the main event in, in an arena like, you know, they're in uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, where, you know, I mean, at least Jake Paul did have a couple of, you know, of course, he's headlined a number of his events there through MVP promotions or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But for Tommy Fury, that was his first main event there, you know? I mean, even though he was part of, you know, undercard. Yeah, and so. you know what? It, it was surprising considering yeah. that Jake Paul is the overwhelming A-side, right, in the States. Right. right. He was booed. He was booed by everyone there. They loved the Furies. They yeah. loved the Fury family. They they loved that he's a family man and he's he's got a newborn and – Boy, they were all in pushing for Tommy Fury to win that fight. And it was it was obvious every time he would let his hands go, boy, they mm -hmm. would get they would start cheering. <laughs> they started booing like religiously, booing Jake Paul as soon as they showed him on the Jumbotron as he was walking out to the crowd or to the yeah. ring. Yeah. <laughs> and I think, I think, um I think that kind of stemmed from you know the majority of the promotion for that fight being in the UK. I think, you know, you have, you know, what uh, Tommy Fury's background is, you know, not just, like I said, being a part of the Fury family, but also having, you know, appearances in, um, what I'd say, pop culture there in the UK. So, yeah. you know, so that's, so I think that kind of, you know, stemmed or brought up the thing as far as like, yeah, Jake Paul is the A-side, but he's coming in there like, you know, the bad guy. Yep. Well, you know, Floyd did so Floyd did that a lot. You know, there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. He made a killing wearing the black hat in, yeah. in within the sport of boxing. And you know what? Fans love to hate him, but mm -hmm. you know, he made out like a bandit and made every event a spectacular one. Yeah. You know, it's like half the people that tuned into Floyd fights in America, they they tuned in to see if he would lose. Would and you know what? And and it worked. It worked. It made every event really, really big. And and you know what? You can't take anything away from him. And uh, wait a minute. You're not going to talk about Floyd in his exhibition, are you? No, no, no. no. Okay, very good. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, I didn't even bother. But but I, I want to ask you something, James. Mm -hmm. What did you think about all of the – see, this is when you can tell this is a mainstream event, right? Okay. When you have – um, sites who aren't even boxing related pushing the narrative that this is a scripted fixed outcome. Did you see that over the last couple of days? Well, I saw it, you know, in, in, you know, multiple entertainment, uh, recently had, uh, you know, viewed, uh, an article from the UK where they talked with, uh, former 
world champion Carl Crotch in reference to that as well, where he felt like uh, it was going to be, you know, fixed for Jake Paul to win that fight. So, um, so much for, uh, you know, Mr. Carl Crotch in that particular aspect. Um, but I will welcome in another guest to talk on this, uh, you know, particular topic. Uh, he, you know, also viewed this event, uh, of course, from YSM Sports Media, Brother Jamil in the building. What's going on? What's good with y'all? What's up, Jamil? How you doing, my friend? I'm chilling, man. Good weekend Oh, dude, great weekend of boxing, man, especially Showtime. That was outstanding. Oh, yeah, Yo. Elvis Rodriguez versus Adorno was a good fight. Well, that was a great fight. And you know what, man? Everyone was looking at the way and saying, oh, Adorno's going to get killed. I'm like, dude, that kid can fight. I don't know what you guys are talking about. He can fight. <laughs> they kind of robbed him. They robbed him of a knockdown. Oh, yeah, yeah. They sure did. They sure did. You know, oh, man. You know, I'll be uh, talking about that particular, you know, thousand details because. Uh, yeah. So, so James, what did you think about how the action, how it played out? Like, um, what did you think of both fighters' skill set um, during the fight as it was playing out? Boy, it was, oh, it was, it was ugly at times. I mean, yeah, both fighters looked much improved, but they looked like novices making novice mistakes. Like, like whenever Jake Paul would try to throw a jab, you would see him lower his right arm and tip off whenever he was going to shoot that shot, as well yeah. as his straight right hand. Whenever he's going to throw the right hand, he would lower his left. And, yeah, Tommy Fury, for the most part, avoided pretty much most of the end, the great majority of, of the incoming. And it was really affecting his punch out, but Jake Paul was starting to really question himself and fight at a more tentative, measured pace. And Jake Paul did mention that in a sense in the post-fight press conference, uh, but you you kind of like nailed it. It kind of showed like how much that both fighters uh, should be like have to learn in, in in the professional game because you know Jake Paul having that type of form uh, in, as far as like you know his offensive output, like that left a lot of openings for you know. Um, you know, for uh, Tommy Fury to take advantage. And, and gosh, don't get me started on Tommy Fury's footwork. Yeah. Oh, that was atrocious. Like, and, and honestly, I can say this, and it, it was pretty obvious, and I thought that they were going to give the close, very competitive, kind of undecisive rounds to Jake Paul because, you know, even with the jab, you could see that he was the harder puncher, mm -hmm. the stronger man in the ring. But he's yeah. got that fighter's physique. Tommy Fury looked like a bodybuilder in there, and he didn't really have much on his shots, but he looked like he wasn't trying to put anything on his shots. It looked like he was just trying to hit the target, and that he did um, a lot more a lot more frequently, right? Um, yeah. Well, the percentage was lower. I think he ended the fight with um, – let me pull up CompuBox real quick. At the end of the night, um, Tommy Fury – Landed 88 out of 302 punches, and that for a 29.1%. And Jake Paul landed an anemic 49 out of 157 punches over eight rounds to land 31.2%. So it was a higher percentage, but yeah, the activity, um, the yeah. amount of contact, yeah, that was definitely what swayed the judges at ringside. And what did you guys think of the ref deducting two points? It almost like it almost looked like when he deducted that point from Jake Paul 
he said, you know what? I made a mistake. I'm going to make it up in the next round. And he had deducted Tommy Fury for a holding in the following round. Did you see that? <laughs> shitty, yo. <laughs> oh, boy. And, and look, look. And yeah. it, it, it the fight at the end of the day could gone either way, depending on what you liked. If you liked the harder, more consequential punches landed, you would you would score the close rounds in favor of Jake Paul. If you like just the output and the number of punches landed, then, yeah, you would favor Tommy Fury. And you could see that at the end of the day, that's how it was scored. One one judge scoring it in favor of Jake Paul and the other two determining the split decision uh, victory for Tommy Fury. Other yeah. two judges scoring it in favor of the uh, just the busy fighter. But I tell you what, both fighters – Oh, they, you know, they better hope Jake Paul pulls the trigger on the rematch because they're yeah. neither oh, like Tommy yeah. Fury's not going to make a lot of money from this point forward unless he fights Jake Paul. Yeah, that's a definite. That is a definite. That was something. That I can't, I can't fully agree with that, though, because the thing oh, is, you know how the, you know how the UK is, right? The UK is so thirsty just for entertainment. That Tommy beating Jake and Tommy's a good looking kid and he got the name. He's just so fucking green, man. Oh, geez. It it was it was um oh you could hear Sean Porter just trying to be nice, being the company guy. <laughs> yeah, like I, like it was I was laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh, he's gotta be rolling his eyes. Oh yeah. man, where'd Jamil go? Oh man, I think he's in there. Um a busy area, so I yeah, I could hear the noise in the background. But Jamal, if you're listening, please come back, brother. Always a pleasure to share the air with you, my friend. And guys, if you haven't already, please go, uh, please go, um, subscribe to Brother Jamil's channel. He does a great job. Um, always awesome job. unbiased reporting, as as do you, Mister Boxing Source James. Awesome, awesome job. He's done an awesome job. You know, they're out in the Philadelphia area, man. Um, yeah, the, the, like, you know, you were talking about in reference to, from a business perspective, um, you know, Tommy Fury, you know, that that's like his best, of course, by far the most lucrative option. I know that, uh, you know, his, uh, his uh, that there, uh, Big John Fury is like, you know, I love, I love me some in the uh, fight, you Jake Paul again in a rematch. We'll fight him too in Saudi Arabia. I love the police. I'm like, yeah, but that that's you know from a, from a business perspective, yeah, uh those are his best options. So look, look, unless unless everyone after that performance, okay, and I doubt it very seriously, unless everyone decides to jump on the Tommy Fury bandwagon after that performance. Now keep in mind, guys, before this, he's been on Frank Warren undercards exclusively. This this guy's not gonna. I mean, he may be built into a big attraction, but he's a novice still, and he's starting very late. And you know, how old is he? How old is he? What what he's already? Um, he's twenty three. He's twenty three only. Oh yeah, he's only twenty three. Well, maybe, maybe in about I don't know, ten years, maybe eight, nine, ten years. But man, Jamil, you know, he hit the nail on the head. It he's greener. Oh man, he's greener than a oh geez than a oh gosh, he's yeah, yeah man, he's a yeah. novice. Like I know a lot of amateurs who could whoop his ass. Yeah, I feel you. And, and, and here's the thing too. I mean, from a from a um 
matchmaking perspective, but you know, of course, you know, when we have our multiple conversations, we we look at the business side of this. Yeah. Like, what could you know they do from Queensbury Promotions or or anything like that? How would they be able to match Tommy Fury with somebody that is like around that same level of experience where they could properly compensate them? Because now yeah, see, that's that's what I'm looking at. And you you bring up a great point, and that's why I'm saying unless he fights Jake Paul, well, best of luck actually earning that coin. Yeah. Like, I mean, <laughs> you know, we had this, like, last bout, you know, I guess that was part of the uh, card there in uh, Wembley Stadium uh, last April uh, there yeah. in, in that, you know, Fury versus White undercard. Yeah. Um, and he fought, you know, Daniel Bosianski. But, you know, that is chump change in comparison to what he's about to get for this fight. So yeah. now it's like, okay, if I'm not fighting – Jake Paul, if I'm not fighting a KSI, if I'm actually fighting somebody like another Daniel Bosianski, how much are they going to pay me to fight someone? <laughs> you know? So it's like, oh, that's, that's it. Yep. It's, a, it's, a, it's a pro and a con for taking this fight because now as in the future, as a professional fighter, where can you go from here? Yep. You know? That that's it. That's it. Um, hey, can you go back to um, uh, I'm sorry. Can you go back to uh, Tip Bayless's comment back when he says uh, when he says uh, so Espinosa would be responsible for Plant Benavides going on pay per view, landing on pay per view. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That that <laughs> make no mistake about it, guys. The network. Hold that determination. It's their event now. Yep. It's their event. It's just like when a casino or anyone pays the site fee to host the event. Yep. They're in charge of setting the ticket prices, not the promoters any yep. longer. It's their event. It's their event. And now, now here's here's evidence of this, right? Go go back and look at uh, Terrence Crawford fighting Victor Postal, which was – one of HBO's last pay-per-view. I think it was their last pay-per-view no, on HBO. Well, I thought the um, – well, was that after the rematch with Golovkin and Canelo? No, no, no. I was saying top rank. It was top rank's last oh, pay-per-view. Yeah. yeah, after that, Aram was like, well, wait a minute. Peter Nelson, why are you putting this on paper? This is not a pay-per-view fight. And he was like, well, looking at the, at the um, total purse amount – because it's not bringing in the ratings that we had hoped we're going to be forced to put this on pay-per-view out of necessity and try to get some of that money back. Cause it's not doing it with the ratings. And Bob's like, well, we have no, it defeats the purpose of being on a platform like HBO. Then no one's going to see this fight. What the fuck are you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> and that's what nailed the coffin, right? For Tom. That's what made the decision in essence for top rank to move to ESPN. They were like, look, if you're not going to show our fights on regular subscriber HBO, then why are we even here? We're right. better off going to a more mainstream platform like ESPN. And and so once again, guys, it's the networks that determine. Do you think Eddie Hearn wanted to put Canelo Alvarez versus Gennady Golovkin on pay-per-view in America? No, DAZN didn't want that initially either. 
But when you start losing money and you start bleeding millions um, because it's not happening, it's not um, you're not getting the desired result in terms of subscription numbers. You have no choice but to put it on pay-per-view. It's the networks, guys. It's the networks that determine this. Yep, and 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 the thing about it is, is that you know if they just don't feel like, especially when it comes to like an HBO or a Showtime, and and I bring this up a lot when it comes to those uh, networks because they're premium networks because they could be like, hey, look, so I could have this particular fight taking up a time slot on the weekend, Saturday night, prime time. Or I could have, you know, a, you know, a movie, a blockbuster movie that could be posted on there or a, you know, television series that could be, you know, put on that time slot. You know, it could be a rerun of a, of a television series that could be put on that time slot. And they could potentially make more off of that than the fight that you could propose to them to be put there on HBO or Showtime. So it's like, okay. If we we can't even do that, then shoot, then let's just put it on pay per view. Yeah, yeah. Look, look, and it like guys, and this is why we often stress the business because boxing is not run like any other sport. It's run more like the motion picture industry. It's run more like the music business, right? In where it's Showtime, they're not going to increase subscriber numbers unless they can. They pay a lot of money to get. Showtime premiere of the big box office movie. Like uh, they spent a lot of money getting Top Gun Maverick, which is Paramount, their sister <laughs> studio, right? Yep. They spent a lot of money. That's what's going to drive subscriber numbers, not um, uh, what's a what's a, a movie like? Um, I I don't know. Not not a B level movie. They're, that's not going to do anything to drive subscriber numbers. So, guys, it's imperative. While it's imperative for the big names of the sport to compete, they're going to have to start getting more reasonable because they're not doing it with the ratings alone. Yeah, it just that, that's that's where the quandary is. Now, if pay-per-view were still a healthy uh, platform, if it were a healthy device still, and people still bought these events, then yes, yes, we would see more fights like plant versus Benavides on regular subscriber showtime, but it, it, it's not doing it in the ratings. So they have no choice, but yeah. to try and get as much money back or at least break even to they're sticking it out of necessity on the pay-per-view platform. Yeah. This is a real problem guys for the sport. Yeah. It, it's, it's not really uh, much that they could do at this particular point in the, the way that uh, television has kind of, uh, you know what I'd say uh, morphed into, and in, in how the uh, lifestyle of people have morphed into this particular thing. So you can't necessarily have uh, you know a lot of these events on like a regular Showtime or HBO or something like or a big event like that on an ESPN or a Fox or whatever it is. So that you know that's a whole different uh, animal that uh, the these networks have to deal with, uh, but. You know that that's uh, more on the thing on the business tip, but we'll we'll get back to you know what uh, was said there in and uh, the uh, victory by Tommy Fury. Um, you know he said that you know he kind of did fairly well. Uh, Joseph did kind of bring up those punch stats, 
and uh, you know, for uh, Tommy to have like a, a overall output that was twice as much as Jake Paul, that kind of like is uh, yeah, that was something there. And 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 Jake Paul did uh, kind of bring that up, talk about he really did not perform up to the level that he wanted to. Uh, they're on that man. Uh, Jamil is back on the scene here once again, man. Um, uh, <laughs> and and you, you were there checking out the fight, man. Uh, what did you think about the uh, performances from both uh, Jake Paul and Tommy Fury over the course of those eight rounds? Are you speaking to Jamal or myself? Jamil. Oh, yes, sir. I was actually surprised that people felt that way. Um, Jake, Jake, like, uh, like, um, oh, oh, shit. You're breaking up, Jamil. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, that's too bad. I, I always love yeah. hearing Jamil's insight. He's a very, very smart scribe. Yeah, he yeah, he's on a on a bad little uh area there for reception or whatnot. So he, he uh yeah may have to either come in a little bit later or go you know catch him on, on another uh thing there. But like uh yeah, that you know that output for eight rounds, what you said for uh Jake 150 something total punches. Uh, there, you know, so that's kind of what I'd say. You know, 13 <laughs> to 14 punches strong. That's a yeah. little, that's, dude, that's, <laughs> that's less than 20 punches. Yeah. Um, around. Yeah. That's less yeah. than 20 punches around, guys. That's not good, even for a cruiserweight. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, you look at Badu Jack, he's an old man, and he still threw more punches than Jake Paul. And he did it over 12 rounds. Yep, and he did it over 12 rounds. He's up with 12 rounds there. Man. I will say this, and this is this is oh, and Coach Gogi's gonna go off on this on, on his show uh, <laughs> later on at nine, right? Um, yeah. they were saying on the broadcast that Badu Jack becomes a three division world champion. What the F? Uh, well, you know what? No, he's a two division two world division. champion because he got the WBA reg title. James, do you consider that to be a legitimate light heavyweight champion? Uh, nah, nah. What, what, did, did he ever? Did he ever fight nah. Dimitri Bevel? Who uh, did he fight to uh, get he, that he, title? He, he, no, he should have been the WBC light heavyweight champion, but he blew that fight against the Don Stevenson. I'll never forgive him for that because he oh. had the head of Stevenson. That was that was a great fight, fight though, man. It was a great fight, but man, he man, he blew that. Nah, he blew that fight. Man. <laughs> he blew. I agree. I agree. You know? Uh, so I'm like, nah. If he would have won that, like he could have been, you know, the guy that, you know, would have he would have probably uh taken over as the number one guy, like heavyweight at that particular time. If he well, well, yeah, him. but but think about this though. When they say when these. When these commentators, and once again, I have respect for everyone in the business, but you know what? That's just damn negligent when you when you say he's a three-division world champion. Do you know how hard it is to become a three-division world champion, become the man, and three different divisions? 
Right. Do you know how? Do you remember what a big deal it was when Roberto Duran became a four division world champion? Four division world champion at that time. Okay. Do you remember what a big deal that was? Do you remember what a big deal it was when Tommy Hearns became a four division world champion? And now you're just rattling off guys like Adrian Broner, four division were bullshit. Who did you beat? Who did you beat? Badu Jack, a three division. Bullshit. Who did you beat? Yeah, like you know, the thing about it is is like nah, he, he beats he beats you know Lunga Rakabu here for that cruiserweight belt. And Come on, there's a know, reason why Canelo was interested in moving up to cruiser yeah, and getting that title. Guy, yeah, like he was participating. Man, he makes Joe Joyce look like Floyd Mayweather Jr. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I mean, hey, I mean, that was that was the thing about it, man. Uh, you know, they they wanted to, you know, go ahead and take advantage of that particular, you know, thing there. And um, you know, this guy here, I mean, he, oh, <laughs> uh, dude, he's slower but, than molasses. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so you know, Battle Jack, you know, getting that. Uh, WBC title, man. Um, you know, prop, props to him for getting it. It's just, you know, props on. to him for getting that opportunity, being a, a semi-retired fighter at 39. Yeah, 39. You know what? And once again, <laughs> hey, tip your hat to the WBC for throwing these things around like candy, like Halloween candy. Yep. Guys, that's a big problem within the – if you want to still treat it like a sport – it becomes very difficult when you look at shit like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's a business, guys. It's a business. WBC, they can mandate fights, all the matchups, all they want. But look, if a network doesn't want to pay for it, best of luck putting it together. Yep. They're yep. powerless at this point. Yep. It, and, and, I mean, it's like, okay, this is the same, uh, you know, Battle Jack that had those uh, fights against John Pascal. I remember that split decision loss against John Pascal in 2019. Mm-hmm. That was in Atlanta for that Tank Davis, uh, Yorkis Gamboa fight drink, man. Another and, great uh, fight, yeah. Yeah, that was, a, you know, that was a good little scrap there, man. And, um, but like, <laughs> Jack, you know, had a few fights here and there, you know, over the past couple of years, but to get himself into that position of fight for uh, it's just, it's just nonsense. And once again, it just shows the inadequacy and the lack of strength of the sanctioned organizations. Guys, they're financial bloodhounds. They will sniff out events with money and try to attach themselves to that event. Yep. That's yep. all they are. They're a bunch of whores. That's all they are. <laughs> That's exactly what the WBC did uh, here this weekend. You had you had your boys out there in, in Saudi Arabia all over, you know, this particular fight and the, the joint for, uh, you know, Paul versus Fury. <laughs> you know what? The, you know what this weekend of boxing reminded me of, and that's exactly right, James. That's a you know what, and <laughs> creating that bullshit title, the Dur- the Diria champion. Oh, the Dorito belt. Yes. Yeah, now, the look. Dorito. <laughs> so so now you know what you know what this weekend of boxing reminded me of? 
Do you oh. remember? Now, it wasn't on the same night, but it was the same weekend. Do you remember? Um, gosh, and I know Bruce remembers this. Um, almost two decades ago, right? When there was a real fight going on on HBO Boxing After Dark between Miguel Cotto and, um, gosh, Muhammad Ab Ab Abdullayev. A huge amateur standout, former Olympic medalist, um, guy from Uzbekistan, right? And he was he was he was fighting Miguel Cotto, a battle of two undefeated prospects, right? That was a great fight, and that was one that most boxing diehards and journalists circled on the calendar. On that same night, though, on Showtime pay per view, was Mike Tyson versus Kevin McBride. Mm. And I remember <laughs> the, uh, Jim Lampley announcing because it ended obviously with Mike Tyson getting stopped and um, trying to break Kevin McBride's arm in the ring and announcing his retirement, um, re retirement shortly thereafter. And I remember when that finished, Jim Lampley just kind of laughed and said, well, I know most real boxing fans were tuned into this fight, but in case you're interested in what was going on on the other network, that farce of a fight, Mike Tyson just got stopped once again. <laughs> That's what this reminded me of. All of the attention and fanfare was on Jake Paul versus Tommy Fury in Saudi Arabia when it should have been the real fight. The war in Minneapolis. Yeah. Oh, this is a perfect segue going into that, right? Um, congratulations to Subriel Matias. Boy, I tell you, weathering the storm. And James Gogi called it last week, said, you know what? This guy's been training up here with us in the uh, mountains, the high uh, altitude in Mexico. In my opinion, that's going to be the difference in the fight. And guess what it was? He ended up stopping Hermes Ponce, weathering the storm, that vicious first round, um, staying calm, staying collected, being in great shape, and ended up being way too much for the gallant Argentine. But yeah, what was. a great fight. What a great card. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, the thing there with, um, you know, Matias winning that vacant IBF super lightweight title, I was looking at this thing from the first round. I mean, I, I did. I was picking Matias to win the fight. Um, you know, I didn't really know that much about Ponce. Of course, this was like Ponce's first uh, fight in the U.S. Uh, and, and it was, you know, here for the uh, vacant IBF title. Um, he had like a number of issues over the past like six months or so. Yeah, visa uh, issues. Trying to get, you know, the visa to come over to the U.S. for it. Um, but, you know, they were finally able to, you know, get that fight going. That first round was a very good first round, a very good scrap. And the thing for the, in the first round was they kind of like had me like, ooh, I don't know about, you know, Matias was, was that a few times in that first round, Ponce was able to land that left uppercut, and he yep. was like landing big with that left uppercut. And I was like, ooh, this is going to be something. But yep. after that first round and probably about half of the second round, I he didn't really see that left uppercut. No, so, he, he look, he couldn't keep up that pace. He couldn't that was the difference pace. in the fight. He could not keep up that pace. And, he was and, he, and, he seemed to be in the outset the sharper. Yeah. Just better fighter, you know, in the trenches. But can you keep up that pace against a tough, durable fighting machine like Subriel Matias? But uh, the thing with Matias, too, was he was able to, you know, at least have enough defense on the inside to block a number of those body shots that 
Ponce was attempting because that was Ponce's, um, you know, strategy there in those second and third rounds or whatever it was. He was really focusing on getting to the body of Subriel Matias, and, and that didn't necessarily you know, work completely, you know, up to his favor there. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, so it was, yeah, those like third and fourth rounds, it was just all action up there, up close and, and in the trenches. Even with, uh, you know, Matias backing up to the ropes, he was still able to give a good account of himself, you know, a uh, very good account of himself. And he didn't allow himself to really, like, stay on the ropes. It was only like he was there for a brief time. Then he would, like, move over to the right and get, like, right around the center of the ring. So I thought that was a good little move there from yep. Matias to, you know, kind of like say, hey, I'm not going to be here stuck on the ropes and allow you to, you know, try to work on me while I'm on the ropes, even though my punches are, you know, strong enough to, you know, <laughs> you know, keep you – uh second guessing or whatever it is i'm just saying from a you know a strategy perspective i'm not gonna allow you to get that on me you know so that was uh something there and um you know in, in that uh you know penultimate round uh you know he was able to catch uh ponce with a series of punches and you know well yeah it didn't it wasn't like a real big punch that kind of you know, sent Ponce to the canvas. It was just that accumulation of punches, like you said, that, you know, overwhelmed Jeremiah's punches. Yeah. And, um, you know, once he uh, got to the uh, corner there at the end of that fifth round, man, it was like, um, you, you, you still want to go out there? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> well, I was going to say, what did you think of the corner stoppage saying, no, no, it's just going to get worse from here. We're going to pull the plug. What did you think of that stoppage from the corner? Uh, I didn't like it because I just like you wanted more action in that fight, you know. Yeah, well, I tell you what, man. Like um, I said, I didn't really, I didn't really think that Ponce was that hurt, and hey, he was here in the post fight, you know. There's talking with Jim Gray. I didn't really, you know, see him, you know. There's like saying he was significantly hurt, but. You know, at least try to, you know, have it to the point where, and let's see if we could get right back in the fight. I mean, uh, Super Matias has been in, in the middle of good wars himself, you know, where it's been back and forth. Uh, you know, those couple of fights that he had against Pedro Sinanian were, were yep. you know, a test of that. So yep. why not go back out there and see, you know, what, what he could do? And then um, he probably got the momentum back. Yeah, well... Tell you what, um, <laughs> they they know their fighter, and they could see that, yeah, Matias was just getting stronger. Their man was wilting under the pressure. Um, now, look, that kind of bombardment, that kind of pace, you can force that. You can impose your will on British fighters like Lewis Ritson. But best of luck against Subriel Matias. That guy's a machine. And it was he was just putting his foot to the gas. It wasn't going to get any better, so you know what? If he's not, if he's not feeling bad about the stoppage, it's very hard to question it. It's. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him go out on his shield. I right. hate seeing fighters quit in the stool. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And Bruce will know this. It's never used to happen. This never used to happen back in the day, Bruce. Do you remember that? It never used to happen. 
That's why no mosque was such a big deal back in the day, yeah. because that was unthinkable. Yeah, like now you see it. it all the time. Yep. What the hell? <laughs> Look, yeah. it's hard to make it's hard to make new fans, guys, when trainers are pulling the plug on these damn fights. Oh, like like your boy uh, Chris Jericho. I mean, um, um, oh my god. <laughs> Dude, man, he's yeah. I tell you what, he's a cheap imitation of Chris Jericho. Yeah, like Ben Davison. That's why I'm bringing this up. Come on, guys. This is why. This is why they train so hard. Let these guys go out on their shield. That's why. If you're going to be asking for that kind of money, damn it, you better be willing to go out on your shield. Yep. Yep. Because because mainstream and casual fans, they want to see some fight in their fight. They want to see drama. They want to see that ebb and flow. They want to see a knockout, a clean knockout. Right? They want to see it. That's what makes like think about what made you a fan originally, James. What fight was it? Can you think about which fight made you a diehard fan? I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say like a diehard fan, but like you know, fights that Mike Tyson had in the early days stood out. Um, that moment of the one-two punch that George Foreman laid on Michael Moore to send him to the canvas st- stands out above like all of, all of those fights that. And then the you know what? And what made and that what so dramatic that. is that Foreman was getting owned up until yeah. that point. Yeah. So, and he was such a big underdog. It was so dramatic, so beautiful. And then you've got the master, Jim Lampley, making the call. It happened. It yeah. happened. Oh, my gosh, guys. You, that's what made boxing great, guys. Yep. Fights like that, high drama on the best platform with the best call, the best commentary. That's what made the sport great, and that's what it's missing right now. Yeah. Like these fighters, and once again, I have so much respect for anyone who steps foot in the ring. But damn it, if you want to make the big coin, you got to be willing to go out on your shield. Yeah. I, like I, I, I know no one wants to hear um, a fight getting um, seriously injured, but that's why you train so meticulously. That's why you go through these grueling eight-week camps so you can recover. You can. You can survive the vigors of war in the ring. But, yeah, it's not just that. It's like that you be able to have the resiliency to go right back out there. No, that's it. And what determines that? Conditioning. And you only get to that fight shape is if you put your body through hell during camp. That's it. No mainstream and casual audience members want to hear, oh, well, good stoppage. He, He lives to fight another day. Like he lives to fight another day. I mean, that's Dude, you, you know what, man? Like, hit, hit, but and, and here's the thing with 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 the thing with Ponce, right? I just said this is the first time that Jeremiah Ponce has been, you know, out there in America, you know, with this fight. It's a fight of the ma- this magnitude. It headlines a Showtime Championship boxing card. He loses that way. What makes people think that he'll be able to get back on a fight card like that? Yeah, I I tell you what, I tell you what, he put up a great fight. It was a war, man, for five rounds, but 
brother, good luck getting that getting that headlining slot next time. Yep. It's dude, you, you've got all eyes on you on this platform. Go out on your shield. Like I, I'll, I'll say this um, with uh, Liam Wilson a couple weeks ago. He went out on his shield. I can't wait to see him fight again. And that was, yeah, that was the ones that people said that could be an early candidate for fight of the year there. I guess. I want to see it again. I I want to see. I can't wait to see this kid again. Okay. Because he went out on his shield. He didn't, he didn't quit. He didn't cry. He didn't take a knee. Nope. No, man. He waited until the ref stepped in and stopped it. And he still was complaining. He thought he won. And because. Afterwards, during an interview, he started shedding tears. I really wanted this. My entire family was here. Guess what, buddy? You earned your ticket to another big-time event. Thanks for playing. That's what fans want to see. Fans want to see fighters really prepare for battle and not take a second place lightly. Yeah. Fans want to be inspired. Like, you know, I mean, it's one thing to lose, but it, 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 as long as you gave a gallant effort, then the fans will respect you for what you did in the ring, you know? Yep. And that and that's what it comes down to. And, and, and the thing for Ponce is he wasn't, you know, able to get that opportunity because of, you know, his corner. So uh, that, that ends up being his first uh, loss. And Silvio Matias is now a world champion. Um, I know that he was talking about uh, wanting to fight Regis Progress in a, in a uh, unification bout. That's a great but, fight. Uh, That's yeah, a, great a great fight. fight. But, uh, man, hey, Progress, I don't know, man. Uh, I've heard that he could potentially fight in Louisiana to defend the WBC belt, have a voluntary defense or something. But You know, you know what he uh, should do? What he should do, right? And he should pull a winky right. Winky Wright was a very unpopular fighter when he was just coming up because of his style, right? Yep. Boy, he would he would beat you on points with a really great defense and a great amateur style, right? He would beat you, he would beat you with the jab alone, but that wasn't really warming him up to most mainstream and casual fight fans, right? Yep. And so he did the back door. He made a real big name for himself in the UK and came in that way. Right, and that's what I think Regis should do. Go fight Jack Catterall, okay, in the UK. Whoop his ass in his own own home field. You'll gain a lot of fans that way, and you'll sell out a big venue. That's a big fight, man, against Jack Catterall in the UK, and that's the most money that he could possibly make. That's what Terrence Crawford did. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that that's his that's his uh, best route at this particular point. You know, I mean, Jack is looking for you know he's looking for an opponent since uh, Mister uh, you know Josh Taylor wouldn't go ahead and fight him. <laughs> Jack Catterall, Jack Catterall saying it. <laughs> that, uh, Josh Taylor Tell you what, man. Lopez are two dumb Tell you what. Big Regis Progrias is going to put an ass whooping on Jack Catterall, man. It's going to be ugly. Yeah, he's yeah. going to whoop that boy's ass. So do it. Roll yeah. the bones. You don't have any TV dates in America. Roll the bones. Go do it on Boxer on Sky Sports. Yeah. You'll you'll make an entirely new group of fans, followers, 
because yeah, the way Regis fights, it's it's an injustice that he's not a bigger name in this business. Yeah, that he's not a bigger name in this business, or you know, that he's not, you know, fully into like one of the major promotional companies. So I mean, he's gonna have to, you know, figure out a way to get, you know, right back in the mix as far as like being a mainstream or main event type of guy. Uh, they're in a very deep and very talented, super lightweight division. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be uh, something there to kind of see. Um, uh, but, you know, back on that uh, fight card, Showtime Championship Boxing on uh, on uh, yesterday, February 25th, uh, co-feature bout, you had former WBA welterweight champion Jamal James back in it against Alberto Palmetto. He got a win by unanimous decision uh, there. I mean, that's his first fight back since, uh, you know, losing uh, that WBA title. Um, he's had like a couple of battles with COVID uh, that's, you know, hindered his uh, his uh, return. Uh, but, you know, he's getting back in there. Uh, you know, had the unanimous decision. Um, he said that he didn't really like his performance there. I, I wasn't, you know, all too, you know, impressed with it. Also, um, there are a couple of rounds where, you know, Paul Meta was able to get to the inside of Jamal James and, and, and get some work in it. It's just that Jamal James doesn't necessarily have something in his arsenal that makes people pay for trying to get to the inside of him. Like he could have, he has the length, the reach he could you know, use the jab, but it's not like a jab that has much emphasis behind it. It's some, it's not quite like a pulling jab, but it just doesn't have enough oomph behind it to say, hey, you, like you mentioned, Winky Wright. Winky Wright had one of the greatest jabs out there, but he yep. made you pay with that jab too. Yep. Uh, and, and Jamal James has to like develop that type. If he wants to use that style, he has to develop it where the jab, he makes people pay with that jab from an offensive perspective. And also, like, if he can just make people miss and then just, you know, counter with the jab, bam, then, you know, it would, like, frustrate his opponents. But I think Alberto Palmella kind of, like, you know, adopted the same style, you know, that was used uh, against Jamal James uh, when Butayev beat him, but Butayev was just getting into the inside, but he was also walking through that jab there of Jamal James and just ended up breaking him down. Uh, but, you know, Jamal did say that he wants to try to get back in the ring ASAP. He's saying that he's getting try to get back in the gym. Um, there, you know, there probably are a few matchups there that are, you know, available for Jamal James. They're in the welterweight division that he could have. It's just that, hey, Maybe that could uh, be something for him to, uh, you know, look into there in the welterweight division. Um, I'm seeing a recent uh, comment here on the live chat from Jay Reddy. Shout out to Jay Reddy. Um, Matias versus Richardson Hitchens would be a good scrap. Um, that's that's an excellent style matchup. And look, Richardson Hitchens, I'll tell you what, that style. would bring out the best in Richardson Hitchens because – he looks like somewhat of a boring fighter, fighting like a Cuban at times. Right. When a guy isn't willing to take the lead, you're not going to have that problem with Subriel Matias. That is a great job of matchmaking, there, Jay Reddy. That is a that is a great job of matchmaking. Uh, the thing the thing that kind of like hurts me about it is that 
at one point, Richardson Hitchens was out there within the same Heyman Fox and PBC banner. Both of those guys, uh, Hitchens and Matias, uh, did beat Malik Hawkins, you know, back to back. And like that, you know, that particular bout that uh, Hitchens had against Malik Hawkins, that was like a, a sink or swim type of a fight of sorts uh, for both fighters that, you know, um, so that Hitchens kind of like ran away with. Uh, but then I guess they couldn't really find uh, much else uh, there for Hitchens, I guess, at that particular point. I don't know why. And so he ends up, you know, being over there with Matchroom. So, uh, but that's still about that. I would definitely would like to see there at the 140-pound division. So, I mean, Richardson Hitchens is getting up there. And at the 140, he's climbing up the ranks there uh, as a contender at 140. So, you know, we'll, we'll see, you know, what happens there. Uh, and that particular point, it, uh, but back to the thing with Jamal James, man, I mean, like I said, he's former WBA welterweight champion. Uh, like, I, I don't know, man. Um, you know, that, that, that loss to Rise Out of Child, like he was, he really got beat, you know, really got beat in that one. Uh, man, uh, this kind of like gets him, you know, still there around the rankings, uh, he was like at number 10 in the WBA rankings before this fight. Palmetto was there at number nine. Uh, ooh, baby, Jesus Ramos. That, like, I think. Well, Ramos look, look, brother. I mean, let's just be realistic. <sighs> Do you see Jamal James beating anyone in the top seven or eight? No. I know he gets his ass whooped, right? Um, Virgil Ortiz punishes him. Okay, uh, dude, uh, Boots Ennis embarrasses him. Yeah. Okay, uh, Stanionis hey. knocks his ass out within five or six rounds. Right. How about this, right? You have uh, somebody that had a win recently in a WBC uh, minor title uh, that came up from 140, former champion 140, Mario Barrios. You know what? That is a great crossroads fight from two very tall, rangy fighters. Yeah. Um, and honestly, that is a great job of matchmaking as well. I love that matchup, brother. That's a crossroads fight of two mid-level but world-class welterweight fighters. Yep. That's a great job. Great job, man. Yeah, I, I, I'd I, like to see that particular fight there for uh, both guys, you know, Barrio Barrios, uh, yeah, you know, he did pick up a win, so I was able to, you know, get that uh, 10 rounds in, but end up, you know, getting a big victory uh, there at, at Wells Week, you know, from returning from that Keith Thurman fight. And then you got Jamal James, you know, that had the loss to Rise Out of that, you know, ended up uh, getting this uh, win here. Uh, there against Alberto Palmetto that was, you know, ranked in the WBA ranking. So I think that would be a good little matchup later on in 2023 to kind of like determine who would be next to try to stay in the mix as far as like contending for a world title there in the welterweight division. Like you said, you got a number of guys that are there at the top. Of course, we know about the whole thing with Spencer Crawford, but you got Boots in this, you got Virgil Ortiz, you got Iman Stanionis. Uh, there, you know, you got uh, uh, Keith Thurman is still in the mix. Uh, we gotta, you know, we gotta see what's going on with with that. You know what I mean? 
Uh, so we'll see how that goes. So, brother, when are we going to talk about next Saturday night on Showtime from Ontario, Ontario, California, Brandon Figueroa versus Mark Mugsayo? Figueroa, Mugsayo, March 4th. Um, Woo! You know, that for me. That's a that, great fight, man. That is another, totally once again, fight. on paper, that is another fight of the year candidate. That, that's not going to disappoint, man. But I'm gonna I'm gonna have my eyes on Mark Maxwell for this particular fight, and it's one thing to you know kind of come off of you know getting a decision win over Gary Russell Jr., which to this day I still say. Eh. Well, and look, he was a, he was a one arm fighter that night. One arm fighter, but hey, a lot of people said even with that one arm. But then you come around, and then the next fight, you know, you lose, you know, in your first defense of that WBC title. Um, but you know, look, look, this is once again, James. Four. This is this is once again, James, a great job of matchmaking by Tom Brown. Yeah, you you get a a, a flawed but very very fun fighter to watch like Brandon Figueroa, and you get an equally flawed fighter who can punch yeah. like Mark Mugsayo. Well, it's gonna be lights out, brother. It's gonna be outstanding. Hey, and, and, the, and the winner, the winner will, you know, face Ray Vargas, likely there for the WBC belt. I mean, Ray Vargas said he's coming back to one twenty six after his loss to Shaky Foster, so he's gonna stay as the WBC champion at one twenty six. So there's a lot on the line in this particular fight on March fourth. Uh, that's going to be a very good one. You know, there. So I, I'm, you know, that that's gonna be a good little scrap there. I, I can't, you know, wait for that. Therefore, March fourth, headlining uh, that particular bout. Uh, Jay Ready on the live chat says that Figueroa will be too much, have too much pressure on Mark McSyle, and he says that Figueroa wins. Uh, yeah, look, look, guys, look. Let's let's go back and. <laughs> Let's go back and look at Mark Mugsile. And once again, this was on the undercard of a big event. Um, I don't remember which one, but it was uh, his fight against Julio Ceja. You remember that? I think it um, – I'm not – what event was that? Was that on the undercard of Canelo? Um, yeah, no, it was Manny Pacquiao versus Jordanes Ugas, right? Mark Mugsile versus Julio Ceja. Go and look at that fight. He was losing that fight. And then all of a sudden, the 10th round, he lands that shot heard around the world that just put Seha out. Referee could have counted to 50, and he wasn't getting up. Yeah. So uh, you can say what you want yeah. about Mark Mugsile being green and him getting outboxed, but he's got power. He's got that power to be able to turn a fight yeah. around at any given time. I feel like, he, like he's somebody that could legitimately – from a size perspective, he probably could fight at 130. But, you know, he he's still, you know, doing his thing there at 126. And, yeah, that, that knockout of Julio Seha, man, that had uh, Sean Knucklehead Gibbons go crazy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember that. And Running around like he had just won uh, uh, the undisputed heavyweight crown. <laughs> yeah, like the Powerball. Yeah, like he won the Powerball, man. You know, so so I'm like, yeah, he, yeah, that one was a, a, a big win for him that, you know, put him in that position to fight Gary Russell Jr. 
Uh, but yeah, he has that potential to, you know, he could catch Brandon Figueroa at any point. So Figueroa has to be really careful at, at that particular, you know, bout. You know what I'm saying? So that's the thing about it, you know. Um, and you also see the return of Jarrett Hurd on that card in the middleweight that, division. Oh, coming off of a lengthy layoff um, in which, mm -hmm. yeah, he claims he had to get his mind right and he had to decide whether or not he was still had the appetite for destruction, so to speak. And yeah. so now, yeah, you're going to see him come back. It's interesting to see how he looks. He's going to be taking on Jose Armando Resendez yep. in your 10-round middleweight special attraction. That's going to open up the triple header next Saturday. Yeah, and um, what was this other uh, fight here? They got Armacar Vidal versus Elijah Garcia, two two undefeated guys there in the mm -hmm. middleweight belt too. So that that should be a good one, also. Guys, uh, th 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 once again, man, say what you want, and maybe it's too little, too late for PBC on Showtime. But ever since Al Heyman started listening to the man over there, Tom Brown one of the best matchmakers of the past 20 years. Boy, the product has been outstanding. Steven Espinosa deserves a lot of credit, too, for putting his foot down, saying, look, dude, if you want to stay here, you're going to have to put together better fight cards, fight cards. more even money fights. Yep. Guys, and, and, and once again, if you ever have any deliberation on whether or not a fight is going to be good or not, go look at the betting lines. Go look at the betting lines. That says it all, right? Yep. So, look, Brandon Figueroa versus Mark McSyle. And, yeah, Jay Reddy may be correct. That pressure, boy, it often does break pipes, but it's got the opportunity to possibly make a diamond as well. Yeah. Mark McSyle has could, that kind of power and chin. That could open. That could have him open up for a counter that could come right back at Figueroa. He's going to give him a lot of opportunities in which to land punches. Yep. Yeah. So, now, keep in mind, also, he's a big boy. This is not Luis Neri. Right. Yeah. And you yeah. said it. Boy, he's a biscuit shy of 130, isn't he? Yep, he sure is. He sure <laughs> is. You know, um, and, and, he, and he has done some extensive work, you know, out here in the in the States, too. So he's been, you know, in, in, in these gyms out, out and about. So he's been getting some real good work, you know, over the past few months or so. So we'll, we'll see how. Uh, he uh, performs here against uh, Brandon Figueroa, the heartbreaker, on March 4th. So there's that. Um, of course, we wanted to touch on the whole thing with uh, Mr. Adrian. Oh, boy, I feel bad um, for AB, man. Go ahead and announce this, James. Um, well, uh, you know, I guess uh, they had the uh, whole thing with, um, you know, him kind of coming forward in reference to his uh, dealings. Uh, with the LK Prime or whatnot. And um thing about it is is that uh <laughs> uh well yeah that whole thing I, I mean I, I hate to be like a pessimist in in this sense but I didn't really feel like it was a good little uh, pairing for Adrian Broner. You know, at, at that time. You know, man, well, here's the biggest problem. And we talked about this when this when he first signed at BLK Prime. He's not a ticket seller anymore. 
AB yeah. has been out of the mainstream consciousness for a very long time. And diehards have all but given up on him. Like we all were rooting for him. See, we wanted to see him come back. But guys, when they saw how poor ticket sales were for this Atlanta event, Ooh. you know, it's like <sighs> he's just not worth that kind of money any longer. Now, you can blame it on PVC and Al Heyman and Showtime Sports. Oh, they don't have any money. Well, not to spend frivolously on a guy like that. Nope. And look, you can feel bad for Adrian Broner all you, all you want. But he's broke because of his own doing. This yeah. is a kid who made millions and was being touted as the next big star of the sport. And he flushed hundreds Hundred dollar bills down the down the toilet. Do you remember that? Do you remember him being on video flushing hundred dollar bills down the toilet? Yeah. So, hey, brother, we know everyone makes mistakes, but it's very difficult to feel bad for uh, Adrian Broner. He's had a great career. He's had a great career, man. You know, if he wants to stay in the sport. You know, give back, give back to the to the to the kids in Cincinnati. Go start training with Mike Stafford. Go start training young fighters. He's got the brain. He, he has the brain. He has the eye for talent too. Yeah, dude. It, but look, everything that you've done in your, everything that you were gonna do in your career, it's already happened. I'm sorry, Adrian. That's just the truth. But yes, I, I tell you what, going back to um, uh, the matchmaking, right, of uh, Richardson Hitchens, what's more likely going to happen is the winner of Pueo versus Roley coming up is more than likely going to unify the weight division with Subriel Matias. Yeah. 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 Um, in, uh, in the live chat that uh, Jay Reddy was talking about a potential fight between uh, Roley Romero and Subriel Matias. Uh, and I don't know. Well, he, he's he's got to get past Albert Pueyo, though. Yeah, you got to get past Albert Pueyo first. And I'll be straight up. I've said this multiple times. I I was there live for Alberto Pueyo's fight against Bartar Akhmadov in mm -hmm. Hollywood, Florida, and I was not impressed by any bit for that fight. Uh, that was a disputed decision. A number of people thought Akhmadov won that fight. Uh, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Roley... Well, look, look, guys, look, though. You're talking about Akhmadov. You're talking about Pueyo, two guys who can box, two technicians in the ring, right? Yeah. Roley, um, he's still learning on the job, man. And once again, I really like Roley, and it was, it was a real surprise... When I, when I did commentary with him for the Frank Gore fight, right? Yep. Frank Gore pay-per-view. He's actually a smart kid. He plays the court jester for his fans. He trolls a lot. His parents did a great job raising. He's a good kid, guys, off camera. And if you sit and talk boxing to him, he's actually a sharp kid. He plays the doofus on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, he, he does it on Instagram. But yeah, with that said, but with that said, brother, hey. but with that said, he is still learning on the job. Does he have the power to put out uh, Al Alberto Pueyo? I, I don't know if he's going to get that opportunity. Alberto Pueyo, he's, 
He's not a world beater by any stretch of the imagination, but he's an excellent counterpuncher and a very crafty defensive guy, and he's going to be very difficult to hurt. Um, when you talk about struggling with a guy like Agmadov, James, is there any indictment on ability when you struggle against a guy like Agmadov? Yeah, he, like Agmadov, this is a tough out for anybody. Yeah, I would say, you know, so that that's something that, you know, I mean, he he is able to, you know, like I said, play was able to get through that fight, but I mean, like Agmadov is no, you know, walk in the park for anybody, you know. Um, and so, you know, with that, I, I, I will be still, you know, interested interested uh, to see what uh, Poyo does here in, in this bout coming up against uh, Rowley whenever they, uh, you know, do set that fight up. Um, Isn't but, that going to be, isn't that going to be next month or this month sometime in March? Oh, I didn't think it would be that soon. No, I think it's going to be in March, brother. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I thought um, I thought it was going to be like sometime in April, but did they put it in for March? That's that's wow. Ooh. Now may, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe I'm wrong. Let me. Uh, yeah, because that, that let, was, let me look at the calendar for this month, brother. You've got uh, Tony Yoka on the 11th versus Carlos Takam. You've got also Callum Smith versus Stepien, right on the uh, zone. You've got on March 12th, the following day, Tim Zhu versus Tony Harrison. <laughs> Um, you've got, uh, let's see, Gilberto Ramirez versus Gabriel Rosado. Boo! On March 8th. <laughs> you've got March 25th, Jose Ramirez versus Richard Comey. On the same night, you've got Dave Benavides yeah. versus Caleb interview. Yes, I think you're right. It is going to be in April, sir. Yeah. I don't see any, any, any room for dates on Showtime yeah, in March. No yeah, there's no room for it. And that that is a you know Showtime Championship boxing time. It's gonna oh. be similar to like how last night was. It's gonna be that type of a, uh, 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 I would say a um, brother. When you look at the calendar, the next two months, James, boy, it is gonna be lights out. We've got some great fights the next two months, and yeah. obviously the big one being uh, in April. Ryan Garcia versus uh, Gervonta Tank Davis. Wow. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know. I, I want to get your thoughts on this because there are a lot of trolls, man, just regurgitating this nonsense, right? Regurgitating negative guys like Steve Kim and Michael Montero, right? Regurgitating this bullshit. And I, I brought this up on my Friday show uh -huh. saying that this isn't a super fight. Oh, who have they fought? Who have they fought? Now I'm going to quote Emmanuel Stewart here, right? Resumes. Trinkets, right, and mm -hmm. records are for fans, critics, and network executives who don't quite understand what they're looking at yet. If you don't see both of these guys as being elite 35-pounders, right, because of their obvious um, attributes in the ring, then you mm -hmm. really don't know what you're looking at. Who gives a shit about titles in this one? Really like They've got huge fan bases. Mainstream media is already dialed in on this, and they haven't oh, even started promoting the event. Not even begun to. This is a super fight, guys. Super Make no mistake Listen. about it. This is a super fight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it this way. 
I was over in Vegas, uh, like it's been, what, three weeks since I was in Vegas. I was there, at least, you know, I had to go out there because I had to basically uh, honor a reservation. You know, that particular date for that particular weekend was supposed to be one of those weekends for Errol Spence versus Terrence Crawford. But, of course, Oh, boo. Now, <laughs> so now while being out there, you know, I was hanging out, you know, a few days uh, there with my cousin and his friends or whatever it is. And, you know, cousin is out there based in Vegas. And he talked about Tank Davis, Ryan Garcia. He and his friends were talking about Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia. I'm telling y'all right now, that is a super fight. Yep. And it's going to actually get to 1 million pay-per-view buys. I'm calling it here on this particular podcast. That fight will reach 1 million pay-per-view buys here in the United States. Let's let's hope so. Let's hope so because no one has done it since Canelo and Gennady Golovkin too. Golovkin too. Yep. In 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 the states, not even Fury Wilder. But, um not not Canelo Golovkin. Nope. Not Canelo, Billy Joe Saunders. Nope. The closest <laughs> has been Fury Wilder too, and then the second right. closest has been Canelo Plant, right? Right. But but uh, here, but, get, but here's the thing, right? With with those with those fights that you mentioned, Canelo Golovkin, uh, Fury Wilder, or Canelo Plant. None of them had both fighters based in the U.S. And, and with big, big fan bases leading into the fight. Yes, you're absolutely right. Um, look, man, this is a great fight. And I'll explain it this way, guys, what makes it a super fight. And like I like we stated earlier in the show, the boxing business is not run like the NFL or the NBA or the MLB. It's run more like the motion picture industry. Okay, when you get two blockbuster A-list actors or actresses on a movie, that makes it a blockbuster event. It makes it a blockbuster movie. Okay? It, it, it's far, far different from a critically acclaimed um, independent feature, right? If it's a big promotion coming out of a major studio with two A-list actors, guess what? It's going to be a box office hit, right? Yep. You just hope that it's good enough where it does really, really good numbers, Right? But it's considered a huge box office weekend when you've got a major studio release with big-time A-list actors. That's what we're seeing with Ryan Garcia versus Gervonta Davis. This is not an indie feature going to be on his own, right? This is on a major platform, Showtime, that has a longer reach, bigger subscriber base. Now, keep in mind, what were the two things? That we said, okay, what were the two biggest grossing pay-per-views in boxing since Canelo Golovkin 2? What did they have in common? They okay, let's start with Fury versus two. Wilder 2. It was on Fox ESPN. Let's look at Plant versus Canelo. That was on Showtime. Guys, come on, I hate to say this, but Zone just doesn't have the juice in America. In my opinion, Canelo is selling himself short if he wants to reach a much wider audience by competing on his own. And look, you can't argue with the numbers. I just showed you guys the numbers. Yep. And Plant, 
couldn't sell out my living room on a Saturday night. And fighting him, he still did over 800,000 purchases. Yeah, that's right. So with Garcia and Davis, guys, this is a super fight on a mainstream platform. This is going to be the big one. And this should, and guys, support this event. I don't want to see any of my brothers on this, this panel or on my channel or on YouTube claiming to be a diehard fan streaming that product because it will determine the fate of the future of Showtime Championship Boxing on Paramount or CBS. Yep. So if you love your favorite pastime like you say you do, support this event, guys. Like, this is... This is something that's like similar to um, well I said well I said this when they were talking about initially talking about this fight. It's like Oscar De La Hoya versus Floyd Mayweather as far as like box office, uh, the amount of attention it can get. It's this generation's Floyd Mayweather versus Oscar De La Hoya. And uh, like I'm saying, if if Showtime, Paramount Plus, uh, Viacom do this right. They should easily reach 1 million pay-per-view buys. They have the opportunities to market this event to a large audience outside of the boxing realm. You're going to have in a couple weeks one of the biggest or the most um, watched sports sporting events of the year in the weekend in March Madness, the first rounds of March Madness. They're going to have all of those weeks, all of those weekends to promote this particular fight. They're going to have a time slot to promote that fight. On so let me ask you something. Let me ask you something, brother. Going back to Plant versus Benavides. Yeah. Knowing, knowing that... Um, Plant versus Plant or Benavides are not huge ticket sales. Do you think it was a wise idea for Steven Espinosa to be putting this event and during March Madness? During the elite, well, it's going to be the same date as the East and West Regional Final. <sighs> Man. Um, Look, if, if you're going to do that, if you're going to do that, put it on regular subscriber showtime and... Yeah. And advertise. And advertise during yeah. the during during the the March Madness tournament. Yep. Right, because that's what they did for Layman Brewster versus Sergey Leakovich so many years ago. And guess what? It was a huge hit, and that fight delivered. Yep. And and you know, and, and shout out to Jay Ready with with the uh, comment. Ryan got more love than Bud and Arrow, or at least more followers than, than Bud. That's and Bud that's and impossible to ignore at this point. Yep. And. And like I said, I mean, even although I do want actually Showtime should try to do that too, is try to see if they could get in that plant Benavidez those first couple of weeks because if they can do it that way, have the plant Benavidez those first couple of weeks, the you know, the first and second round, you're gonna have that weekend for that first and second round to really push for people to buy that event. And then that particular weekend, that'll be the weekend of that that fight. So then you're going to have the final four in the national championship 
where all of that attention for the Final Four on that Saturday night in April to push for Tate Davis versus Ryan Garcia. I'm telling you, like Steven Espinosa, you got you got some people there at Showtime Sports. You can call up the people there. I, I don't forgot who the president is over at CBS or whatever it is now. I know it ain't Moonves, so you, you get them on the phone and you tell them, hey, we want these, we want these uh time slots, we want these commercials in there, get us in there, we pushing these events, we gonna have people interested in these fights so we can get the most out of it. And Look, and and, and Stephen Smart, and you've spoken to him as well, and he's yeah. he's gonna he's gonna sell this event now that he's with CBS Sports, right? He's going to try and sell this, okay, to his boss over there, saying, "Look, we cultivated a legitimate mainstream attraction like Trevon or like Javante Tank Davis. That doesn't just happen overnight. You right. have to feature him." On Showbox, you have to feature him on regular Showtime Championship Boxing. It, it's a process. You don't just snap your fingers and he becomes a celebrity overnight. It doesn't happen. Right. Okay, so it takes a process. So my guess is if Tank Davis is successful or if this event even is just as successful as we think it's going to be, there's a very good possibility that he will sell those additional TV dates. To the, to the brass at CVS and Paramount Plus. Guys, but make no mistake about this. That's how important this fight is. This is all in and will determine the future of Showtime Championship Boxing. And look, Stephen Smart, he'll say, look, we're not just going to be working with PBC anymore. We're going to be open to working with all promoters to put together the best fights possible, just like we used to back in our glory years. Yeah, but that's how important this fight is, guys, for the health of the sport. And look, if you if you listen to other channels that pit one platform or promoter against one another, turn and run very quickly run. because it's nothing but nonsense and noise. Run and run fast. Yep. But with that said, we're over ninety minutes in, James. Yeah, man. Yep. Um. <laughs> And uh, well, we got, uh, yeah, that's pretty much uh, mostly what I was going to cover here on this uh, particular episode. Thanks to you for joining in. Thanks for YSM for, uh, you know, getting in uh, for the time that he was in there. Um, and shout out to the live chat. Uh, this thing does say that uh, uh, Plant, uh, let's see, you said that Plant is done. <laughs> uh, he won't be fighting till next year, 2024, after Benavidez stops him. Oh, hey guys, guys, man. guys, and once again, if uh, you're still listening, we've got three. We need three subscriptions to reach a thousand. Please help us do that. Fortify uh, water. We only need three. Yeah. Um <laughs> Jay Ready. <laughs> Uh, man, uh, I, I'm sorry, y'all. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even disclose what I have for the pick for that particular fight. I will hold off on that. Well, let's hold off until we get closer to the event, James. Yeah, until we get closer to the event. 
you know. So thank you, Jay Reddy. I appreciate that, my friend. So, God bless uh, you, brother. You know, with, with that being said, that that's a close to uh, this particular episode <laughs> of the Muslim Source Radio Show. Um, I do have a couple of technical things that I have to. Uh, work on uh, here uh, for the remainder of this evening. Uh, we do have uh, Mr. Joseph that I think you'll be preparing for a show uh, coming up here in a few moments. Uh, uh, 60, uh, yeah, in about uh, 40 minutes, 37 minutes to be exact. And I know that we're going to hear a whole bunch of, you know, F-bombs in, <laughs> in this particular episode so i'll be looking forward to that oh uh, boy yeah he's the <laughs> filipino emmanuel stewart brother he knows everything about the business everything about what goes on in the ring everything about fighter management i we always learn something new when we visit with coach gogi but just like emmanuel boy every other word is an f-bomb coming out of his mouth so just yeah. disclaimer right there it's rated r guys <laughs> yeah Oh, geez. So, yeah, we're going to be on live in about 36 minutes now. So, oh. James, I, I'll tell you what, brother. You're yeah. always a gracious host. And your credit to the boxing business, brother. Keep doing what you do. You always put out great content. And thank you once again for being the gracious host today. Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. And uh, uh, to Jay Reddy, um, I, I will say uh, next week I'll, I'll implement that on um as far as like the thing for the cash app, um, because like I really you know wanted to you know jump on to that, wanted to do that, but cash app, I rather I will do that because of how YouTube does things. So, yeah, they're like the WBC, they want to tax every dollar that you get. <laughs> Oh, geez. Yeah. So, so guys, uh, if you're going to support any platform, right? Boxing Source or Warwick Radio, please use the Cash App. Even if it's $1 or $10, whatever, it's always greatly appreciated. And James and myself get 100% of the proceeds. We don't have to split it with the WBC of web of uh of the internet yeah the uh, youtube right they're the wbc of the internet chinga yep and and that's why you know whenever i you know contribute or try to contribute to you know other channels i do it through cash app because i i don't yeah i don't want to like have uh youtube getting that percentage so yeah and that's why i do for a number of these channels, like you know, uh, my other other channel that I support there in uh, the Rise Podcast, uh, there with Senior and Coach Squeeze, <laughs> a great there bunch of guys, time. man. Yeah, with, uh, yeah, they're from your area, aren't they? Yep, that's right. With Coach Kenny and Coach Calvin Ford, I I, I just do it through the cash apps because that that's you know that's the best. <laughs> one, you know? Uh, but with that being said, uh, the Sunday, February twenty sixth. 2023 edition of the Boxing Source Radio show has come to a close. And like I say at the end of every show, folks, the point of boxing is to hit and not get hit, not to stand and trade. On that note, folks, I'm out. Have a good evening, everybody.